Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. We're continuing our series today called At the Table, and we're in week three. And uh, we'll be concluding that series next week, but uh, kicking off a new series in March. And real excited about this next series. We're going to be talking, it's called Transformed. And we're going to take transformational stories through the scripture. And uh, we're going to show you how God transforms lives. And that's going to lead us into Easter. And so I'm really excited about where we're headed as a church and, and just, just the teaching series. And so uh, today we're going we're gonna to continue our series on At the Table. And I'm going to read a verse out of Matthew 16, and I'm going to kind of spin this a little bit because uh, maybe you've never heard uh, this passage and this message that I'm going to share today. I'm really going to focus on building community today because a lot of times, like we're we're talking about coming to the table and we're we're talking about having Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus's table and relationships, and and I want to talk about what what God does at the table. Like once we get to the place where we're no longer over here in the chair by ourselves anymore, and we've forgiven some stuff and. We've, we've walked through some stuff, and we finally pulled a chair back to the table. What happens at the table? Come on, how many knows more than, I'm going to say it, how many knows more Chick-fil-A? Come on. How many knows more Chick-fil-A? Anybody have Chick-fil-A this week? Anybody? Good for you, man. I need to get a kickback on this, because I say it every week, right? I had Chick-fil-A this week, too. But anyway, anybody get the grilled chicken? Anybody get the grilled chicken? Oh, good. Look at you healthy people. I love it. Anybody's just like, nope, give me the fried with extra fries. Anybody? You're healthy too. I'm just messing with you. So anyway, at the table, what happens when we move from having this place of isolation over here and moving into the place where now we are faced with relationships again? What, how does God do this when we make ourselves available to come to the table? And I really feel like that we have to break a mentality in our life. And here's the mentality. that The mentality that we need to break is we just have to forge through life by ourselves. I really believe it's a trick of the enemy. I believe it's a mentality maybe that was ingrained in you. Some of you, your family ingrained that into you. Just work hard. And forge your way right through life. And I don't need anybody. I got this, right? Well, hold on a second. Uh, the scripture tells us that that's not actually how you live life. Um, and, and maybe that's how you were uh, uh, back in the day or maybe a young person in this room, like you're like, man, I just, I just got to do this thing on my own. No, you don't. You don't have to do it on your own. There's many people that want to sit at the table with you and they want to help you walk through life together and building community. And so how's God do that? Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Now, prior to this, the verses in this passage, he's really talking to uh, his disciples and they say, who do men say that I am? And he said, you know, they're saying, well, some say you're a prophet, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. Well, then he looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? He makes this personal. And Simon says, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him that did not, that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father, which was in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church. Now he's not building his rock upon the apostle Peter. What he's building his house upon and what he's building his church on is the revelation of who Jesus is. 
He's not building it upon Peter, no matter what you've learned or, or taught or how you were raised. This passage says that Jesus revealed, the Father revealed who Jesus was to Simon, turned his name to Peter. Run, the, the word Simon means reed blowing in the wind. Peter means, a lot of us say, the rock. It's not, it's not the rock. If you read it, it's the word Petros, and it's a piece of the greater rock which is Jesus. And so he says this, he says, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, a lot of times, yes, we're talking about literal hell, but actually Hades in the passage is the word religion. Jesus is actually standing between temples when he makes this proclamation. When, there, when he's standing between religious temples where idol worship was going on, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the people of religion was standing around and Jesus starts to point this is proven. He starts to point, and he starts to point at the religious temple, and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. In other words, my church is not built for religion. My church is built for relationship. That's how Jesus begins to start this whole thing off. And he starts to tell us, man, you're not built for religion because religion's a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a bunch of, oh, well, fix yourself and then God will like you or fix yourself and you become worthy to God. That's not how it works. 2,000 years ago, he took the, the whipping post and he took the cross and he bared his body and he died upon a cross and he rose from the dead. Why? So we could have a seat at the table. Come on, somebody. So Because we, we can't save ourselves. And so he said, I'll build my church and the gates of religion will not overcome it. Religion, religion doesn't do good around me because I wasn't saved through religion. I didn't go to church as a kid growing up. I don't understand religion. I understand what it does to people. I think it's the greatest hindrance to the church is religion. You're like, Pastor, well, hold on a second. Now, what you mean? Now, now religion, if you're not careful, is you're just putting God in this box you're, you're trying to get to God, and it's, i got to work my way up the ladder, and then God will stick his hand out. No, God stuck his hand out already. Come on, somebody. He, he's already halfway there. He, actually, he came all the way down. He didn't even go halfway. He went all the way to the earth from his heavenly realm. He came to the earth, and he picked you up in the middle of your crazy sin, and he set you free. Long before you even needed to realize that you were free. So what happens? What's God do? He builds community. And he builds his church through relationship. First relationship with him and then relationship with each other. Notice what he says. He says, I will build my church. Jesus is the author of building his church. And when we sit at the table with other uh, Christ followers, we sit at the table even with people that are far from God. Jesus did. It says he reclined at the table with tax collectors and sinners. That's what he did. He hung out with those that needed him. He said, I hung out with the sick. I don't need to hang out with the healed. He spent majority of his time hanging out with those that needed him. Then he would, he would spend time with the disciples helping them on what that was going to look like when he left. But Jesus said, I'm the author of building my church. And the word build, I love this, this word, it means to restore by building. You come into the kingdom of God and you say yes to Christ. You move from this place of isolation of sin and you move back to the table. He says, I will build you by restoration. He said, I will build you by restoration. It also means to rebuild. It means to repair. God does an amazing work in our life and he, and he saves us and we get forgiveness from God. But I think we go to healing for people. 
We, 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 go to, we go to the table for healing. This is where restoration happens. This is where healing takes place. Is when you as a Christ follower can sit across the table. And I'm not just talking about, you know, trying to, I'm talking about there is a, confet, there is a, there's a, hey, here's where I'm at kind of story. Here's what I'm experiencing. And when you sit at the table with another person that's built by the church, that's built by Jesus, and, and you sit across from each other, all of a sudden there's a community. And the word community simply means there's a common unity that begins to take place. And God begins to rebuild you. He begins to repair you through relationships, even if you've been broken by them. A lot of people don't realize that the thing, we've been broken by relationships at this table. But when we make a decision to forgive, all of a sudden we move ourselves back to the table that God's going to use people to help us rebuild and repair and restore. God's going to use our relationships for that to take place. And so it literally means this, to build up together. So in other words, Jesus said, I'm not doing this for an individual thing. I'm building, excuse me, I'm building my church together. I'm sitting at the table. You're sitting at the table and he's building his church. Now that word church is maybe not what you think about. The word church back then in the Old Testament actually means it's a body of citizens within a community that was called out together by somebody, somebody heralded that and they declared it, the one who was summoned, and it's the word ecclesia, it's the word ecclesia. And, and so what would happen is they would declare and there would be a group of people that would be chosen from within the community to begin to govern the community. This was a typical word that they would use. Now, they wouldn't say the word church. They would say the word ecclesia, right? And so they knew that this meant there was a called out group of people called to govern the earth. Now, listen, Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about people. He's talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my called out ones that I've called to rule and reign. Literally, it's an assembly of people set apart to govern the affairs of a state or a nation. That's the word church. Another word for it is the word, is the word it's, it's a definition called out from the world. That's the Greek word. Is called out from the world. Now, Romans... Here's what you have to catch a hold of is it meant a group of people sent in to conquer a region to alter the culture until it became like Rome. They would use this word as a group of people that were called together that would conquer, go into a region to conquer the region, to alter the culture until it became like Rome. They infiltrated the government, the social structure, the language, the culture, the schools, and until everyone talked and acted like Romans. That's the word church in your Bible. Now, Jesus, in Acts chapter 2, there's a great experience that happens, and it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. It's when the birth of the church begins to take place. And in Acts chapter 2, it said this. He says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I'm not going to focus on the tongues part this morning, but I am going to focus on the first part. And here's the first part. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. You're like, Pastor, what does that have to do with the church? What does that have to do with me at the table? Here's what it means. God, in order for us to build authentic community, 
and sit around the table and be restored and, and, and be rebuilt is God started this whole thing with filling his church with himself. Why? It's because you can't be full of yourself and build community. See, God wants to build relationship and he wants to build community, but you can't be full of yourself and sit at this table. Because this table requires you to be filled with Jesus, not yourself. I'm kind of walking around with my water because I'm going to drink it. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit because you can't be full of yourself. Community begins with an outpouring of God in our life. Not just fellowship and fried chicken. I mean, no, that's important, but some tables you sit around, you sit around the table and all you do is talk about, you know, ball scores and the weather and this and that and the kids and so on and so on. But this table that God's calling you to in community is the table where you're being rebuilt, where you're being repaired, where you're being restored. It's the table where you say, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's the stuff that's happening in my life. And you're sitting around a table with a group of people that said, guess what? I ain't full of myself, but I'm full of Jesus. And because of that, Jesus can change your life and he will rebuild and he will restore at this table. It's called building community. Community begins with an outpouring of God. A lot of times, this is not, listen, this is not just a natural decision. In Acts chapter 2, if you keep reading, the Bible says that, that Peter gets up and he begins to declare in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my maidservants. Both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they'll prophesy. I'll show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to the darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day. And everyone, say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, All of a sudden, Peter gets up and delivers this message after the Holy Spirit falls. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that that 3,000 people said yes to Jesus that day. I mean, that's a pretty good altar call. He starts off, right? He's not full of himself. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He gets up and talks about the resurrection. He talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, it says 3,000 were added to their number that day. So what happened to the 3,000? Keep reading. Okay, so you got an altar call. You got people, 3,000 people said yes to Christ. What happened to them? Right? This is how God birthed this church. It's not just Holy Spirit in Acts 2 at the beginning. It's not just Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the beginning. Then it had to be fleshed out at the table. And here's what it looks like. All of a sudden, it says in verse 42, what these 3,000 people do. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need of it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Listen, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, listen to this result, to their number daily. 
those that was being saved. So they have the experience with the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden, this transfers into community. They go from 3,000 people, now all of a sudden they're meeting in houses, house to house, and they're, they're breaking bread together. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're sitting around a table, and the Bible says that the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Why? Because something happens at this table. Something takes place in the place of community. That, that it's not just up to a pastor on Sunday to draw the net in, right? You can fish all week, folks. Come on, you can have folks at your house and at the table all week long. You don't have to wait on me to cast the net. You can be fishing. Come on. You can be fishing all week. Right? Well, guess what? You got to be full of yourself or full of Jesus to fish all week. Most of us are full of ourselves. That's why we don't fish all week. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not fishers of men. We don't go after those that may need to know him because we're filled with ourselves. When you get filled with God, all of a sudden now the outward response is I need people around my table. We're going to build community and then we're going to reach those that are far from Jesus. That's what the early church did. The DNA, the traits of the DNA of the early church was simple. They had a desire to follow Christ. They had a desire to follow Christ. You say, Pastor, why are you talking about the early church? This is the 21st century. It's because I've been telling you, listen to me, I've been telling you that what God's getting ready to do on the earth is going to be a grassroots move, and he's taking us back. Because if we want, if we want Bible results, we have to do Bible things. Right? You can't, we, this isn't, we're not trying to create an American church. We're a part of the kingdom of God. Why, does, why do we have to make sure that it fits like the American church wants it to fit? No, the Bible wants us to go back to grassroots where we're no longer filled with ourselves because a lot of American churches, praise the Lord, I'm online today. Praise God for people that are blessing the Lord today. But listen to me, a lot of it's self-driven. You come to be filled. You come to experience God, which is awesome. But listen to me, this, this is the locker room for the mission, for the game. This is the place that, yeah, God fills you up, but this ain't the point. The point's out there. And that's what the early church understood. They had a desire to follow Christ. And I really believe that God's bringing us back to something different. I believe he's bringing it back to something that we've never experienced before in America. Hear, hear me today, in our region. I can't speak for America. I can't speak for other pastors, but I can speak for me. That I'm believing that our church would begin to see daily salvations. Well, pastor, if they watch you online, maybe they'll learn to know Jesus and they'll get saved. No, that's not how this works. The scripture says that you are a part of the kingdom of God and you have a table and a place of influence. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. Ready? You want some honesty this morning? Stop being a pansy. If I was your coach in the locker room, that's what I'd be telling you. You go out here to play and man, stop being a pansy. Come on. God gave you the forearmer of God. He gave you the helmet of salvation, the blessed breastplate of righteousness. He gave you the, the shield of faith. He gave you the, 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 the truth belt, and he put shoes on your feet to give you some peace. And then he gave you a sword, and he said, go out to battle. He said, I'm sending you out among wolves. Go out there and make a difference. What are you waiting on? Like, you're going to wait till you figure it out? No, no, we need to surround our tables with people that love Jesus, but we need to surround our table with people that don't know God. 
Because I'm believing for our church that we will become a church where we're seeing daily salvations, where you're going to come in here some Sunday and you're going to be like, Pastor, guess what? I got to tell you a story. I can't wait to hear it. I was at the Starbucks at the Kroger. Hallelujah. I was getting my groceries and I had everything. I had my basket filled. I was getting my roast beef and I was getting my bread and my mayonnaise. Come on, somebody. And I was standing there because I needed a nitro brew. (laughs) Come on. You go grocery shopping. You need a nitro brew. Some of you just click it and they bring it to your house. Yeah, praise the Lord. We do that. It's awesome. (laughs) Praise God. But there you are standing at Kroger. And all of a sudden you start a conversation with somebody in the Starbucks line. You mean I'd have to have a conversation? Yeah, if you're filled with God and you got somebody at your table. And all of a sudden you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're having a conversation with this person. And before long, you're going to come in here and start telling stories about people that you led to Jesus on a daily basis. You're going to stop waiting on me to do it. And you're going to start to realize that you're the church that Jesus had called out. And you're called to go forth into all the world. And you're a follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to win souls. Oh, I'm about to go off my notes because here it comes. Listen to me today. Don't tell me you're a follower of Jesus and you don't win souls. Those two don't go together. Jesus was a winner of souls. His whole point was coming not to serve, but to, or not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Bible says that he came to be a friend of sinners. He came to get sinners around his table. So if we're really devoted to Jesus, it shows up in what you do on the daily. Well, I just want to get my church in. No, what you need to do, some of you, listen, some of you are so spiritually, you're so spiritually stopped up. What I mean by that? You need a Holy Spirit enema. It's real life church, folks. I'm just being honest with you. And your enema, <laughs> hallelujah. Hey, your enema is to reach lost. When you start reaching lost people, you'll never be clogged up. Come on, somebody. You won't need fiber. Hey, come on. You won't need to eat bananas all day long to get that thing to move. Come on. But what you're going to need is you have to understand is we have to be a generation that doesn't just intake. we got to have an outflow. If not, we become like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has a, has a salt concentration uh, that's very high because there's no outlet. That run, thing runs into the Dead Sea, but it has no outlet on the other end. And so you can float in it. It's filled with salt. But guess what? Because it has no, it has no outflow, it's filled with salt. And because of that, 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 that you can float in that thing. Right? It has no movement. So the salt is stationary. Here's what God wants you to be. God wants you to be a Jordan River to where you're flowing. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water where you're devoted to Jesus and you're not filled with yourself, but you're filled with God to where now all of a sudden on the daily, I got my mind on somebody. I got my mind on somebody that needs to sit around my table that needs to go to coffee with me because I'm devoted to Jesus and he built his church and he called me out. Not didn't call me out to sit. He called me out for a mission. He called me to get people around the table that would strengthen me and people around the table that need Jesus. Daily salvation. Some of you are going to come in here. Listen, some of you have been to church too long. Boy, I ain't even, the, the, the pro presenter people are like, where's he going? I ain't got no idea, but I know when to end. <laughs> some of you have been in church too long. You've been churchified. I don't want you to be churchified anymore. I want you to be crucified. No longer I live, but Christ that lives in me. Alyssa said it. And when Christ lives in you, now all of a sudden the mission of Jesus becomes your mission. 
And now all of a sudden you're building community with other believers and you have common unity. And from that place, all of a sudden now you're going out into the highways and byways and all of a sudden you're calling your friends. Hey, hey, guess what, Gina? Guess what, Gina? Guess what, Gina? Gina, I was at the, I was at the Walmart today, Gina. God, everybody needs, hey, everybody needs Jesus at the Walmart. And I was in the bread aisle and this lady was there and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to talk to her about her bread. Praise the Lord. I started talking to her and all of a sudden she told me, she said, listen, I don't know who you are or where you're from, but you just read my mail and I want you to know thank you and whatever you got, I want. What, why is that happening in other places but America? Why does it happen in Africa? Why does it happen in Asia? Why is the underground church in China growing like crazy right now? It's not because, it's not because all their hunkies are dory and because they figured church out. No, it's because they're persecuted for their faith. And we have, well, here's what I talk to my African friends, and you know what they tell me? That we got sophisticated devils in America. He told me, he said, you want to go to Nigeria with me? I said, I'd love to go to Nigeria with me. He said, make sure you ain't got no open doors and make sure you know how to use your authority. I said, why is that? He said, which doctors will sit outside the, which, which doctors will sit outside the tent when you're preaching, sit outside the church, and they'll cast spells on you, and they'll kill you with their spells. I said, well, praise the Lord. I need to make sure I'm in order before I go to Nigeria. He said, in America, that's not the way it is. He said, we don't, you don't have witches sitting outside the doors. You got witches in the pews. People that cast curses with their words. Hear me this morning. Praise the Lord. Some of you are like, dear Lord, Pastor, what are we doing this morning? Well, it's 11. We're just going to give you the truth. That we have to get ourselves into a place where we are connected with each other, but that's not the only point. Community looks like we're devoted to Christ. Community looks like we want to see daily salvations happen in our life. I want to see that. We should all want to see that. Why? Because we're here. That's our main mission on the earth is to populate heaven. That's the whole goal of the church. Right? And so God's calling us in this next day, in this next season, this next hour, that he wants you to understand today that you have authority over the enemy. You have authority. And listen, God wants to use you in this next season. Well, I don't qualify. Listen, stop. Li- listen, listen. I don't qualify as not the answer. Listen, Jesus qualified you by dying on the cross for you and raising from the dead for you. Stop saying you're not worthy. You are You are worthy and you are qualified because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And he, listen, he wants, to, he wants to do some great things through your life, so stop discrediting. Here's the only reason you're discrediting whether or not you're worthy is because you're looking at yourself. If you start looking at greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, all of a sudden now you can step out of where you are and you step out of yourself and you're filled with God like Acts chapter 2 and you all of a sudden now are on mission because you're devoted to Jesus. They nurtured in fellowship. They spent time together. They were transparent. How's God building his church around the table? I'm not giving you extra. I'm giving you what I got. Number one is called out people are hungry for a relationship with their creator. I told our staff after last week, I said, there's been a hunger change in our church over the last three weeks since the beginning of the year. I said, there's been a hunger, uh, a hunger shift. The people of God within a real life church are getting hungry for their creator. They're getting hungrier for Jesus. There's, a, there's an appetite now where, where I'm hearing stories of spending time in devotional plans and spending time with God in prayer. And you're in that place where you're hungering for Jesus. It said they devoted. What's that word devoted? It means they were steadfast. 
steadfast. They weren't letting the world get in the way. They weren't letting the thing happen on the left and on the right. They were focused. They were, they were devoted. They were dedicated. They were dedicated to a cause. Number two is he's building his church, a called out people, as they experience fellowship in community. Are you ready for this one? The word fellowship in your Bible, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That's The word fellowship is the thing common. But you have to also understand that the altar in Jerusalem on which sacrifices were offered was called fellowship. Your pastor, what's that mean? That means there's always going to be sacrifice and fellowship. That means if you're going to be the body of Christ and you're going to fellowship and you're going to have things in common, that fellowship requires sacrifice. Fellowship with God requires sacrifice. It requires you laying your time down. It requires you laying your schedule down. Why? Because you're sacrificing your life. It's not you. It's not me that lives anymore. It's Christ that lives in me. Therefore, I go to the altar of fellowship. I go to the altar of sacrifice every single day. Bible says in John 15, 13, he says this, put your life on the line for your friends. There's a sacrifice that goes on to sit around this table and live in that place of community. You know, American soldiers today, whether we realize this or not, no soldier gives his life. He doesn't just give his life. Well, your pastor, that's, that's a little not right. Yeah, no, 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 that's not the way it works. Most soldiers make a decision to place themselves in harm's way to do it to protect their friends. You mean they don't just give, no, no, they make a decision. They do it because of the bonds of friendship that even goes deeper than friendship. They don't just, they don't just, get, they don't just give their life. They make a decision that my life is not my own and I'm going to stand in the way of the enemy so the enemy, he might, take, he might take me out, but he's not going to take my friend out. That's laying your life down for your friends. That's that 2 a.m. phone call where they call you on the phone. Yeah. Or they're going through stuff and it inconveniences your schedule. See, I really believe if we're going to reach lost people that are far from God, they got to see that spirit at this table. Long before they come, become into the kingdom, before they become a Christ follower, listen, they have to see us going that extra mile at the table. Finally, the called out people reflect the heart of God. We reflect the heart of God. It's, it's, to reflect is to give evidence of the character or quality of something. That I'm reflecting Jesus in the earth. That we reflect it as the church, as we build community and we come. The Bible says that, 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 that they will know us by our love for one another. I want to be that kind of church. I want to be the church that when somebody walks in that doesn't know Christ or, or when we're out and about, that they will see the love that we have, each of us have for one another. And they will know that there is a God because of our love for one another. That's what Jesus said. So I want to encourage you today that in order to build community and to reach those that are far from God, we have to reflect the heart of God. True community reflects the heart of God. Listen, it gives evidence that Jesus is real. When you sit around the table with each other and you've been going through some stuff, man, 
We all go through it. But we're building community and we're at that place where we're being restored. And we're having honest conversations with each other. And we're being real. And we're being transparent. And we don't realize in our transparency and our realness that God is restoring us and rebuilding us into what he wants us to become. Then we have people around our table that don't know him. And these people start to see the love that we have for one another. They start to see that we reflect something different. That we don't just make a claim, but we actually have a lifestyle that matches that claim. We don't just have a title, but we have a lifestyle that matches that claim. And all of a sudden, the reflection of who God is, they start to see Jesus through our life. We're building community with each other and the people around the table that don't know him. Because you're a Jordan River and the Holy Spirit works through you. They say yes. Maybe in this place today you say, Pastor, I don't know if I qualify for this table. I don't know if the Lord would even love me where I'm at. Hear me when I say this. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave anyone that would believe on him could have everlasting life. In other words, you don't qualify anyway. The only thing that qualifies you is a son that came, that gave his life for you, that experienced, the, that, that walked in a grace, and grace is something that you cannot receive, uh, uh, j- j- work up yourself. It's something that was given. And the Bible says it's through faith by grace that you've been saved, not of yourself, of works. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith in this grace that God came, that he came to the earth and he died on the cross for you. In other words, he said, I made a way so you could sit at the king's table. I made a way so you could sit in a community around a table. Maybe you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. And I want, I want to know Jesus today. No, no, I'm not kidding. Now listen to me when I say this. Or maybe you're even backslidden and you're walked away from God. And you're like, Pastor, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I've lived this way and, and I don't know if God would. Listen, don't, the ifs are of the enemy. God says, come and receive. So if you're in this place today, I'm going to do something really different today. And it's okay because I want you to see what's going to happen. Good or bad. I don't know. I'm just following my heart. Eyes open and heads up. I'm going to change the way we're doing altar calls around here today. We're not going to bow our heads anymore and close our eyes. Confessing Jesus is not a private decision. It's a public decision. Will pastor, will people, will people say yes? I don't know. And if they don't say yes, that should bother you. You should be able to look around this room and if people are not saying yes to Jesus... Here's what needs to bother you. I need to get some people here that need to know Jesus in the room. We're not, we didn't start this church for church people. We started this church for people that were far from God. So if you're in this place, eyes open, 
Heads up. You say, Pastor, I need to make a decision today to come back to God. But I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life today. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to condemn you. We're the family of God. And we're here to say you can sit around this table just as you are. And God will change your life. So if that's you, just raise up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. Or I need to come home to God. Anybody in this room, just raise your hand. Who's got their hand raised up? Yeah, back corner, front, back corner. Anybody else? Come back to God today. In the middle, right here, yep. I see your hand, yep. Thank you, Jesus. Now we're gonna pray together. And we're gonna pray, and as we pray, If you raised your hand this morning, would you meet me up here at the front? We're going to call this the table. If you raised your hand, you're like, Pastor, you're making this really uncomfortable for me. That's fine. Because we want you to know how much we love you. And we want to wrap our arms around you and let you know that Jesus is about to change your life. So stand up. If you raised your hand, come on, you three that stand up, come on. Come on, you say yes to Christ. Make your way. Come on, buddy. Come on, you said yes. Come on. Come on, you raised your hand. Come on up here to the front. You raised your hand. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, buddy. Come on over here. We're going to pray together. Let's move all the way over here. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe today. Whatever you've been, back up a little bit. I don't want to be like I'm down all over here. Come on in here. We're going to pray together today. Before I talk to you, I want to talk to them. Okay. Just close your eyes. Think about the Lord for just a minute. I want to talk to you, church. It won't be long. That this whole front is going to be filled with people that give their heart to him. Come on. We're no longer going to be that place that just sit in your seat and comfortly. The Bible says you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. We're not going to create a place that's called secret, secret Christianity. No. Because let's just be honest. If we can't be public in here, we're not going to be public out there. So we're so proud of you for making this decision this morning, all three of you. Just close your eyes. I want to pray with you. I want you just to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me raised from the dead for me. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to make me a new creature today. I'm coming home. I'm coming back to your table. And I ask you to change me, transform me, make me into a brand new person. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Casting it as far as the east is from the west. In Jesus' name, amen. So we say welcome home. Come on, church. 
So here's what we're going to do. At the, at the very end of service, I want all three of you to stop by the Next Steps area. We have a free a box. We give out boxes around here. And it's called an I Have Decided box. And in that box is a Bible, a journal, a Next Steps card. And it's a way for you to begin your journey with Jesus. We're going to have water baptism after Easter. We want you to be water baptized, get in the tank. We'll get to Anna, get to Anna. And, uh, and so we're so excited for you. Congratulations. Today's a brand new day for you. It's the beginning of transformation, right? Beginning of transformation today. All right. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap. You guys can go back to your seat. Stop by the Next Steps area and grab a box today. Come on, church. Father, I pray over our church today, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, we would have a heart for you in this new season of what you're going to do at Real Life Church. Thank you today, Lord, for those that said yes to you today. We ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, shake us up, Lord. Let us not be casual any longer. Let us sit at the table with those that need to know you, and we thank you for it. Embolden your church in this season to build relationships with each other and reflect the love of God in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.